Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. And we will make America great again. All right, so question for you. That group of people you just saw, they look like domestic terrorists to you? Have you ever been part of those crowds at a Trump rally? I have many times, and I'm sure many of you have. The domestic gathering of domestic terrorists, anti-American people, are they? Against the, the core tenets of our, of our republic? Of course, we know just the opposite is true, and you know, it would be so absurd just on its face, but it's even more absurd when the other side tries to label us this way, when you recognize what this president did for America, strengthening our court system with judges committed to the Constitution, strengthening our national security, our economy, our border, our military. What? How? You're doing a pretty bad job of being against America when you are making it great. Well, welcome to the program. I want to share with this with you tonight in more detail. Uh, I've got this, this Newsweek article that just came out just reinforcing um, what we've been seeing and saying all along, how the Democrats are just, uh, they, 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 want to, they want to throw us all in prison and shut us up. Shut us up, lock us up, control us. That's what it is. And that's why I want to cho- choose for the scripture tonight from John's Gospel, chapter 16. You know, I remember as a, as a teenager when I started getting more uh, involved in the scripture and in the faith and in prayer, uh, in my last year of high school, uh, seeing, a, seeing a Christian group on TV, one of the Christian programs, uh, singing the song, Greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. And uh, we have Jesus speaking at the Last Supper, the passage I'm going to read here, because it applies to all this. When we have powerful forces of the world, including forces of government and Department of Justice, FBI, and so forth, allied against us, it is time to remember the greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Let's read from John chapter 16, starting with verse 25. Jesus says, I have said these things to you in figures of speech. The hour is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figures of speech, but will tell you plainly about the Father. In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and have come into the world, and now I am leaving the world and going to the Father. His disciples said, Ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things, and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, and indeed has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world 
you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we do face tribulation in the world. We face opposition from powerful forces of government who want to not only silence us, but stop our activities, squelch our First Amendment rights to speak and to vote, to assemble and to advocate, who want indeed to take away our freedom altogether, throw us in prison as enemies of the Republic. Lord, the police state has arrived. We are deeply disturbed at this, and yet we know that you have overcome the world. These are the very forces, the very forces of evil, those who want autocratic power over our lives and over our families, over our buying and selling and living and planting and growing and educating and worshiping. Those who want power over these things, Lord God, are standing in your way. They are trespassing on your property. They are interfering with your rights and ours. Rescue us from the world, Lord God. Rescue America from tyranny, Lord God. And show us what we need to do in this process. We believe in you. We proclaim you as king. And we will exercise our duty as faithful citizens, always and everywhere acknowledging your law, O oh God, as higher than any human law. And your kingship as higher than any human authority. Our loyalty, Lord, is to you above all and in all. Keep us faithful to you. We pray in the name of the only Lord, the King of the universe, the only Savior, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, so for the prayer I just said, for the prayer I just said, the FBI can consider me a domestic terrorist. This is where we have arrived in our day. Let me bring you back for a moment to, you remember uh, uh, Brandon standing there with the, the red background, the eerie, demonic-looking speech that he gave in Philadelphia. This was in September of last year, just prior to the midterms. You remember what he called us in the MAGA movement? Threat to the very foundations of the republic and of democracy and all that kind of all that kind of rhetoric well where does he expect that to end how does he expect that to end if you're really serious and i mean and you're talking about a serious topic or you're, you know formal speech as president of the united states we've got to take you at your word so how does how does that end exactly if someone is a threat to the republic why would you give them freedom of speech why would you give them freedom to even move around or assemble with like-minded people? That gathering you just saw at the beginning of this program, wouldn't that be a gathering that should be, should be stopped? If these are all domestic terrorists, why in the world are you going to allow them to gather? Or to gain momentum or to go recruit other voters to put their people into power? Where does Biden and his people think that this stops? How does this work out in, in practice? Now, just recently in Arizona, let me read you what he said. He hasn't gotten off this theme. He's doubled down on it. Gave a speech in Arizona the, just the other day, uh, the fourth in a series centering on fortifying 
Democrat values against attacks from what he describes as Republican extremists bent on getting rid of self-government. It's actually, it's, it's amazing how this is just the opposite of the reality. Make America great again means increasing self-government. Well, here's what he said. This MAGA threat is a threat to the brick and mortar of our democratic institutions. It's also a threat to the character of our nation. It gives our Constitution life that binds us together as Americans, a common cause. Yeah, right. Common except to you. Mark Levin's book starts off with an analysis of this. And I'm going to refer to a story that just came out in Newsweek and a development in the FBI that's been, been on, their, on their books for a while, but I want to explain it to you because more and more of it is coming to light. But Mark Levin in The Democrat Party Hates America starts off in the first chapter talking about how this, is a, this Democrat Party is an autocratic party that wants, it, well, to use his words here, it seeks to permanently control our government institutions as it dominates our cultural entities from media to academia from entertainment to silence to science what does it want to do it wants to get rid of the uh, electoral college you know 50 percent of the uh, population lives in nine states so you know the electoral college is meant to give everybody a voice if you just decided the president by the popular vote, some states would never be heard from again. They'd be drowned out by the larger blue states. It's as simple as that. The Electoral College of Founders were, were wise enough to realize that in a country uh, growing so large and so diverse, with, uh, you know, different states drawing together, you have to make sure that there's a mechanism to make the, the, the voices of the smaller population centers uh, have a say in what ultimately happens for the governing of the whole country because they're going to be under whatever president is elected so they have to have a proportionate voice in electing him. But they want to change that. They want to change the Supreme Court. They're not interested in the separation of powers. They're constantly overstepping their bounds with executive action. They want to target political opponents for harassment. We've seen it parents at school boards, peaceful pro-life activists, Mark Houck, I was just talking with him today, raided at his home uh, for peaceful pro-life activity, other peaceful pro-life activists that were just thrown in jail uh, recently. Friends, they didn't do any violence. They didn't do any violence. They were peacefully intervening to try to save babies. And uh, obviously the persecution and prosecution of President Trump himself and of his attorneys and his uh, team members and now the entire MAGA movement being um, explicitly called a threat and we're going to see what we're going to pull aside the curtain in a moment of what's happening behind the scenes at the FBI but let me go to a little bit more to what's in Mark's uh, book here remember when Obama said on October 30th of 2008 demented deranged uh, uh, anti-American uh, person that he is. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Well, why do I say he's anti-American? Because you don't say you want to fundamentally transform something if you like it just the way it is. He's giving himself away with these words. We love America. We don't need to fundamentally transform anything. But these people don't love America. 
They, they, which, here's a little quiz, and you just try this out on your friends too. Which prominent Democrat can you point to regularly and sincerely praises America? We'll wait. Any Democrats out there, I'm talking about party loyalists, go ahead. You know, you belong to the party of the KKK. You belong to the party of slavery. It was your party, Democrats, that supported segregation, eugenics, lynching. This is your history. The first Republican president, hey, ask your friends who that was and what his view of slavery was. First Republican president, Abraham Lincoln. Endless opportunities, Biden says. This is why we def de uh, define America in one word, he says. Possibilities. Nothing is beyond our capacity. He's not talking about the ideals on which America was founded. He's talking about the opportunities, Mark points out here, of an activist government encroaching on more and more areas of your life. We... Uh, get into this book here and we see this, we talked about this uh, in other programs and we'll continue to do that. Uh, they're aggregating of power constantly uh, to themselves. Um, they want to add Democrat members to the Senate by making Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. into states. They want to pack the Supreme Court with a vast margin of judges made in their own image and likeness. Once you do that, it says, like, why do you have to have a Supreme Court? It's just another, it's just another repeat of the Congress. You're going to have a politically, a politically based uh, entity. You don't need it. Why take the extra step? You've got a politically based entity in the Congress already. Just elect the people you want, and then you've got the policies that you want. They want complete control and dominance. That's the difference. Now, America is built in such a way that you have phrases here that uh, Mark points out, legality of opposition and peaceful rivalry. You've got to have the ability for political differences to exist, to express themselves, and to resolve themselves through processes that protect the rights of the minority and lead to a peaceful resolution of differences. Democrat Party doesn't want that. And that's why they want to snuff out the expression of our ideas and uh, do it in ways like you have the president uh, saying, uh, oh, these people are a threat to the, uh, threat to the republic itself. Um, the minority has got to be able to fight back in a country like ours. You can't have a state party. The state is supposed to be neutral. Parties are supposed to vie for uh, votes, try to persuade the public of their positions, but the state itself has to protect all the political viewpoints. Now, that is so ingrained in the American way of thinking and in our Constitution that we're going to see here by a couple of quotes I'm going to give you, that the Biden administration and the current uh, Department of Justice and FBI 
They have to publicly, when pressed on the matter, and you've heard this in some recent testimony of Congress, they have to toe the line that, oh yes, we need to preserve and we, we acknowledge the right of citizens to take whatever political position they want. Yeah, but you see, they have to say that. But what they do in practice goes completely contrary to that. And even what they say when in speeches like uh, Biden, I just quoted from two of them, the one last September of last year and then the one recently in... Uh, in Arizona. The Democrat Party, friends, is the party of the state. They want to have state power under, under, all under their control. They want to have a state media. That's what the media is. It's the Democrat state media. Oppressing and suppressing both in traditional media and social media any kind of opposing viewpoints. Can't do this. This is not America. Now, they got to say that it is. So, recently, all right, so I'm going to go back to, of course, January of 2021 with January 6th. You know, that gave the other side the excuse to, uh, first of all, redefine what actually happened. They call it an insurrection. It was no such thing. But then they jump on that as an excuse to start limiting personal liberties. And you've got people who did nothing other than exercise their First Amendment right to peacefully gather, who are serving jail sentences now, the January 6th uh, uh, victims. Now, the FBI started creating memos and changing approaches after January 6th in ways that not all of us have been, uh, been fully informed about. Let me show you technically what they say that sounds right, and then we'll more behind the scenes what's wrong. White House fact sheet of June 2021 says this. In implementing this strategy, now talking about what strategy? Dealing with domestic violence, domestic terrorism that is. In implementing this strategy and at the direction of President Biden, we will remain focused on addressing violence and reducing the threat of violence. Okay. While vigilantly safeguarding peaceful expression of a wide range of views and freedom of political association. Well, we wonder what kind of political association they're talking about and how wide that range of views is actually permitted to be when, again, we in fact see January 6th prisoners still in jail for peaceful activity and pro-life peaceful activists in jail. The, the actions contradict the words. You know, psychiatrists uh, say, believe behavior. Somebody drinking vigorously from the water fountain, and then, you know, in between gulps of water, they turn around and you say, oh, I'm not thirsty, I'm not thirsty, and then they go back to gulping the water. What are you going to believe? Their words or their actions? Believe behavior. The pro-life movement, we're the ones that are providing the pregnancy centers and, and providing real help to women who want alternatives to abortion. And the other side turns around and says, well, you're anti-women. You don't care about women. And here we are doing the, the work of serving women. Who are you going to believe? Their words or our actions? Similarly, when it comes to this, oh, yeah, they got a lot of nice words here. They have to. But the actions are completely contradictory. Look at Merrick Garland, who gave a speech right around the same time as that guidance was uh, given back in 2021. And he said, look, we're focused on violence, not on ideology. Not on ideology. 
Espousing a hateful ideology is not unlawful. We do not investigate individuals for their First Amendment protected activities. Ha ha. 1976, Attorney General Levi established the guidelines. Government monitoring of individuals or groups because they hold unpopular or controversial political views is intolerable in our country. We do not prosecute people for their beliefs. Except that, yes, you do. And this is the problem. We've got actions that are not matching up to these words. Here's where the problem comes in, it seems to me, a little bit later in that speech. Listen to this. We have to redouble and expand our efforts to deter and disrupt domestic terrorism activity before it yields violence and address the long-term issues that contribute to domestic terrorism. That's where the trouble begins. Because they're saying there, okay, it's not that violence has erupted, it's the things that lead to it. So again, we ask Biden when he calls half the country, when he calls the MAGA movement a threat to the republic, practically speaking, how can you allow such a group, its wide variety of views and its freedom of political association, if indeed it's going to do what you just are saying here, you can't let it do. That is, we have to deter and disrupt domestic terrorism activity before it yields violence. How do you propose to do that? Again, looking at the gathering that we have, we always show at the beginning of this program, you have to disrupt and deter those kinds of gatherings. This is exactly where we're headed, brothers and sisters. And address the long-term issues that contribute to domestic terrorism. So does this program here, when we fire each other up about how bad the Democrats are, does this book here, The Democrat Party Hates America, are these considered things that are long-term issues that could contribute to domestic terrorism in our country? If you're going to define that as people who are going to uh, forcefully prevent these people from aggregating all power to themselves... Let's look at what the let's look at what the FBI um, did shortly after January sixth. There was a restricted report put together. Domestic violent extremists emboldened in the aftermath of January sixth. Okay. There was a shift in the definition of anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremism called AGAVE, A-G-A-A-V-E, all caps. That acronym used to refer to the furtherance of ideological agendas. There was a shift made. The furtherance of, tell me what the difference is here, the furtherance of political and or social agendas. Now we've crossed the line. Political or social agendas. 
So go back to the fundamental question. Are Americans free to hold a variety of political and social agendas? Is the state supposed to be neutral and let the political parties flourish, let the individual citizens in freedom of association and freedom of expression flourish with a wide range of different ideas, but somehow peacefully held together because you have a mechanism for expressing those ideas. You don't let it resort to violence. We are not people of violence. But you don't, in the interest of suppressing violence, you don't suppress the free range of ideas. But the Democrat Party's not... That's a challenge to do even if you want to do it. Friends, the Democrat Party doesn't want to do it. That's the point. That's, that's what you're going to learn from this book. And that's what you learn from these FBI memos. Let's, there's a recent article just came out in Newsweek that goes into all this. You know, the FBI can consider whatever cases they want to consider. They can follow whatever lead. They can make an issue of whatever they want to make an issue of. And they have deliberately increased, by their own intention, the focus on things that they want to label as domestic terrorism. And this is more and more becoming, the, those who hold different political ideas, it is more and more becoming the MAGA movement. In fact, this article... It just came out in Newsweek. I urge you to look it up. Shows this, 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 this expansion of the agave definition. Not just ideological agendas, however you want to define that, but now it's using the more common terminology that we use when we talk about freedom of speech and association, political and social agendas. Yeah, we've got political agendas. We want the Democrats out of power. We want President Trump back in power. We, we believe in the MAGA movement. Is that a social and political agenda? Of course it is. But we've got the full freedom to, to, uh, to uh, espouse that. We're supposed to, that is. Except that now we have a police state. Now we have a police state. I told you about the film that's coming out, right? Policestatefilm.net It's going to air in theaters October 23rd and 25th. Those two nights, it's going to air. You can get your tickets now at policestatefilm.net. All of this is going to become clearer and clearer to all of us. But let me read more from this, uh, this article here. It was a subtle change, little noticed, but a gigantic departure for the Bureau. Trump and his army of supporters were acknowledged as a distinct category of domestic violent extremists, even as the FBI was saying publicly, oh, political views were never part of its criteria to investigate or prevent domestic terrorism. Oh, of course not. But where the FBI sees threats is plain from the way it categorizes them. On the surface, it's, it's, meant to, it's designed to appear nonpartisan, but... In reality, it very much is not. The FBI went further. In, this is October of 2022. Now notice, just, just the following month from when Biden gave his dark red speech, you know, the, the MAGAR threat to the Republic speech. Just the following month, what did the FBI do? It created a new subcategory, Agave Other. So first, it shifted it to includes political and social agendas that we can uh, consider these groups domestic terrorists. And then it created another category. It says other. What does that mean? Those who were a threat 
But don't fit into the anarchist, militia, or sovereign citizens groups. Now, this change, this new category introduced without any announcement and reported here for the first time, the new classification is officially defined as, quote, domestic violent extremists who cite anti-government or anti-authority motivations for violence or criminal activity not otherwise defined, such as individuals motivated by a desire to commit violence against those with a real or perceived association with a specific political party or faction of a specific party. Now, the article says, an FBI, quotes an FBI officer, what other name could we use? Obviously, if Democrat Party supporters resort to violence, it, this agave other category, would apply to them as well. Now notice what he says next. It doesn't matter that there is a low likelihood of that. So yes, in practical terms, it refers to MAGA, though the carefully constructed language is wholly nonpartisan. But they're saying that it's unlikely to be applied to the Democrats. In its statement to Newsweek, the FBI said that the agave threat includes anarchist violent extremists, militia violent extremists, sovereign citizen violent extremists, now here's the point, and other violent extremists, some, are who, some of whom are motivated by a desire to harm those associated, to harm those with a real or perceived association with a political party or faction. One more quote. A senior intelligence official, who of course requested anonymity, told Newsweek, We've crossed the Rubicon. Trump's army constitutes the greatest threat of violence domestically, politically. That's the reality, and that's the problem set. That's what the FBI as a law enforcement agency has to deal with. But whether Trump and his supporters are a threat to national security, to the country, whether they represent a threat of civil war, that's a trickier question, and that's for the country to deal with, not the FBI. You know, friends, this is all coming together, isn't it? Very, very clearly. The Democrat Party, its lust for power, labels half the country, labels its political opponents in this way, creates a category in the FBI, calling us domestic terrorists, has the President of the United States uh, uh, verbally harassing us in that way, in, in, a, in a manner in which you can't come to any other conclusion practically than we've got to start taking away these people's rights. And then you combine that with the political prosecution, first of all, of the leader of the movement, President Trump, and his close associates, and then ordinary citizens carrying out some of the aspects of the MAGA agenda, such as defending their children's rights at, at school board meetings, or pe peacefully protesting at abortion clinics, or you remember the FBI memos that came out not long ago showing that the agency is in spying on Catholic churches because, you know, they're, they're more traditional Catholics. That can be a breeding ground for these domestic extremists and terrorists. You know what? Look, here's how we have to deal with this. I mean, obviously, we heard the word of God at the outset here. Jesus says, have courage. I have overcome the world. This is the world. This is, this is, this is the world. 
I have overcome the world. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We rely on him, first of all, to hold fast and never apologize internally or externally, never feel the slightest amount of shame or discomfort in holding the positions that we hold. And secondly, it's like, okay, brace yourselves. This is a battle, and these battle lines are being drawn very clearly, and there's only one way to approach this. I mean, you know you're under the providence of God, but you also know the reality of sacrifice for the kingdom. We follow a Savior, the one who said, I have overcome the world. He was nailed to a cross. Why? Because he wouldn't back away from the truth. What did he say in front of Pilate? I have come to bear witness to the truth. And Pilate flippantly said, what is truth? What is truth? Oh, that's what these people say. That's what the Democrats say. You, read the, you look at critical race theory and the overall doctrine of critical theory. It's based on a denial of truth. You look at them say a man is not a man, a woman's not a woman, a baby's not a baby. Our history is not what our history actually was. They don't care about truth. They only care about power. And that's what, that's, there's Pilate. He didn't care about truth. He cared about, look how, who would yell louder in the crowd. Or at least Barabbas. Jesus promised persecution. And we have to brace ourselves that there's going to be higher prices to pay than we've paid so far. We all pay prices for standing up for what we believe in. But brothers and sisters, we've got to deepen our prayer life. We've got to deepen our living in the Word. We've got to put on all the spiritual armor that God talks about here and be ready for sacrifices that are great. Going with Christ to the cross. Being faithful in the midst of all of it means that, the, that life prevails, truth prevails, resurrection prevails. There's no question about that. We just have to brace ourselves for the sacrifices that are going to have to be made. That's why, in the deepest sense of the term, as so many citizens have come to, to see better and better, this indeed is a spiritual war. We talk about it as a spiritual war. You know, it's the payment of that sacrifice in union with Christ on the cross that is going to constitute our ultimate uh, identification of this as a spiritual battle. So let's turn to him again asking for the strength to persevere. Lord Jesus, we come to you conscious of your instruction that anyone who would be your disciple must take up his cross each day and follow after you. We remember the words of St. Peter that you suffered for us and left us an example to follow in your footsteps. Lord, you didn't suffer for us to take away our suffering. You suffered for us to transform our suffering into a path to eternal life, into a, a, a way of being united with you, into a source of grace, into an example to follow, into a power to take hold of, that love transforms that suffering into victory. For greater is he who is in us. Greater are you, Lord Jesus, who are in us than he that is in the world 
the FBI identifying us as terrorists, then Joe Biden calling us extremists and a threat to our republic, then the FBI raiding our homes in the middle of the night or at the crack of dawn. Lord God, you are greater than all these forces. Lord, we may not be ready for this kind of spiritual battle. So we ask you today, make us ready. Because things are getting worse. The storm clouds aren't gathering on the horizon. They are right over our heads. The police state isn't some distant threat in the future. It's already arrived. This is the biggest battle that we have ever been in. And so now we need your strength. Now we need your spirit. Now we claim our victory. Lord Jesus, when you were lifted up on the cross, you said, this is the hour of glory. And so today we say the same thing. People want to take away our freedom. Being canceled on social media is the least, the least of the steps they're going to try to take against us. This is an hour of glory because we're going to witness to the world what it means to be faithful. Because we don't have the freedom to change the truth. We have the freedom to stay faithful to the truth. Jesus, we trust in you. We give ourselves to you. And we claim the joy and the peace that comes from following you, a joy and peace that you give us and that no one, no one can take away. And so we pray now in the words you taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay, friends. I know you're ready for the battle. Thank you so much for being with us. You know, get other people to watch this program. Let them join us because uh, we need each other more than ever, don't we? Praying for America, it's a joy to be with you each night. Connect with me also on social media, at FR Frank Pavone. Some of you are watching me on those very platforms, but go there and connect with me on all of them if you aren't already, at FR Frank Pavone. And please consider supporting our work our ministry at uh, ProLifeGift.org is where you can donate to us, ProLifeGift.org. And you can call our office anytime, be connected with our efforts, 321-500-1000. We're here in Florida, 321-500-1000. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Priests for Life, saving lives for over 30 years. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.